Welcome everyone to Weird Growth, the podcast where we talk about the strange and often unpredictable journey that startups go on. Thanks, Jack. Um, we're really lucky to be here today at WeWork. Thank you so much to the community team. WeWork Perth. We're up here on the 32nd floor of Central Park Tower in the beautiful Perth CBD um, with a beautiful view uh, over the river and across the city for those who are listening on the podcast. We're also filming this for YouTube. Um, and the conversation doesn't stop here. Um, if you want to stay one step ahead, unlock exclusive insights, thought-provoking summaries of our episodes and a curated collection of valuable resources from across the web. Please um, subscribe to our monthly newsletter um, and check out the description here in um, the YouTube description to find out how to subscribe and all that sort of thing. So um, without any further ado, I am your host, Cam Sinclair from Ammo Marketing. And this episode is a very special one. We've got two amazing guests uh, who have been kind enough to join us on the podcast. We've got David Press, founder of Risk Talk, and Stuart Riddle, who is founder of Connect. Uh, welcome, David and Stuart, and thanks so much for joining us here on Weird Growth, guys. Um, just uh, make sure you're speaking nice and tied up into your mics. Um, but what I'd just ask you to do is please introduce yourself and how have you come to do what you do? I'll let Stuart go first. Thanks, Cam. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. Uh, how have I come to doing what I've been doing? Um, so we're... Uh, we're a no-code software development agency, and my career's been pretty circuitous, to say the least. Um, but the way I arrived here, kind of working from current state of play backwards, um, is through a couple of startups. So was involved in an analytics startup called 10th Man for a couple of years, for sort of four, four years, um, pre previous to Connect. And then prior to that, I ran digital teams in... Uh, advertising agencies, so digital strategy, you know, development, uh, website design, that kind of stuff. Um, prior to that, I was in 3D design in architecture. Oh, wow. Didn't and know then um, prior to that, I did some engineering. So um, how did I get here? I'm not really quite sure. I think it was just kind of uh, seeing opportunities, um, seizing them, giving it a go and figuring out my way through. Yeah, so. definitely like one of the most experienced product guys that I know around Perth when it comes to tech products and another experienced product guy, David, um, please introduce yourself and how have you come to do what you do? Yeah, thanks Cam. Yeah, I'm uh, Dave Press. So I'm the head of product, head of technology at Ristalk. Um, I got into this role through a good friend also named Stuart, um, who's the other co-founder at Ristalk. Yep. Um, and uh, he came to me with an idea and... and knew that I was in tech and said, you know, could we do this? And I said yes, and that was literally how it started. Um, but prior to that, I'd been in running an own, my own agency, um, building apps, websites, a lot of SEO work and, and that sort of stuff. And prior to that, the banking world, so very, very different. But, yeah, self-taught coding at sort of 17. It's a long time ago now, so like early iterations of .NET Nuke, if anyone is oh, familiar wow. with it. Yeah, like I'm talking version one. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, you know, 17 years old learning that and, yeah, came back from banking straight into tech and, yep. yeah, haven't looked back. Yeah. So definitely a bit of a theme here, um, agency into product, maybe back into agency in some cases. Um, I'm keen to talk a little bit more about that. Like a lot of people start off in that, um, in that sort of services space. Um, and... I lied to you guys before. I said there was no surprises, but there actually is one, and it's the little pop quiz that we do at the start of every Weird Growth episode. 
um, which is if you were to start a new startup or business today, what would it be and who would you be helping? Does it have to be software? doesn't have to be. It could be whatever you want it to be. I reckon, I reckon I'd go for something analogue. Like oh, nice. service-based business, like something, something boring, as in like, I don't know, where you can introduce tech, um, you know, turn a business around or just make it super efficient, but real world kind of like build things or, you know, just like have physical products. Something tangible. Something tangible, yeah. I get a hankering to do yeah, something yeah. tangible every yeah, yeah. now and again too. You know, yeah. I don't know what that would be. Maybe um, I had a couple of inventions in my time, but maybe that's something I could, you know. It's the old engineer with. coming yeah, out. Yeah. 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 David, you've had a little bit longer to think about it. Mate, I haven't thought about this in a long time. Uh, probably pretty similar. Something to get manufacturing back into some of the sort of more developed countries where we've become heavy service reliant countries. Pretty much all of the Western developed countries have. Cool. I think, yeah. Generate some manufacturing, new jobs, that sort of work. Yeah. Bringing that manufacturing base yeah, back to back. the West. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's good. Now, gents, I'm keen to hear about what you're working on at the moment. Um, and can you talk me through what is the problem that you're solving at Connect? And, ha- and how did you discover that problem? We, um, we're probably a slightly unique um, in the sense that we are a, are a, a project and a product-based agency. So what I mean by that is we've got um, our own clients that we build software for, but we also have got sort of four SaaS products that we're that we're developing. So uh, we, we've we've built them because we've either solved problems for ourselves or we've um, solved problems for clients. But uh, the, probably the simple answer is how do we on how we got to where we're at is um, by hearing this kind of common frustration from clients who were burnt from software development projects and typical kind of reaction to what we're talking about when it comes to building a solution for a client is that like last time I did this and then they'll kind of repeat some horror story about how long it took and how how they're burnt out from it and it was just a disaster. It's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, how do we solve that? And we've just got this real rapid fire delivery um, approach that we take where we just really pump out delivery updates super fast to our clients and they love it. So it's solved a problem in that sense, and then our products are each their own of their own kind of unique yeah. problem-solving um, scenarios. So no code's obviously the trend that you know many people have heard about, and I guess it came about to allow people to DIY projects in a way. But what you've tapped into is even that is too arduous sometimes. For, you know, some people just need that hand held kind of service to build yeah. the no code stuff. And when you're talking about businesses, you know, we're predominantly in sort of SME space. They they have got the they've got the knowledge, they've got the domain expertise, but they need someone just to really kind of solve whatever workflow or business problems they've got. So they, they're not interested in really getting an internal team to do it or a freelancer. Yeah. Maybe being burnt by a freelancer. Um, yeah. they want sort of next tier up from that. So we fit into that space. And can you describe the process behind using that sort of team, the services team, bringing in revenue and then turning that into your own in-house products? How do you separate the time? How do you allocate the resources? Decide even what projects you're going to work on for your own products? We've got, a, I guess, a filter that we look at any opportunity through. Um, and one of those filters is that it's got to be, it's got to spark both of my, Connor and myself's 
he's my business partner, um, our kind of collective interest. Yep. Uh, something that we're kind of excited about and sort of lean forward and kind of think about, not just have a cursory glance at. So we've got a couple of filters that we pass sort of any opportunities through. Um, but essentially, um, it's it's something that we like to be able to solve uh, we either within a couple of days, you know, or a, or a couple of weeks. Right, okay. Something you can build fairly rapidly. Yeah, yep. just like push something out super fast where people go, this is awesome, and they kind of buy into it. And then we, once we've done some sort of super early validation, we like to sell something before we build it. In other words, we might do a rough and dirty proof of concept, but then we want to get someone to say, I'm willing to pay X for it, and then yep. we'll go and build it into proof a it SaaS platform. So. Cool. Yeah. So, David, Risk Talk, what's the problem that you're solving there, mate? So, Risk Talk is uh, fixing this issue where heavy industry, whether it's mining, construction, utilities, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, typically, every worker on the front line every day has to fill out some form of risk management, like a, what's a job hazard analysis or something similar. And um, if you if you haven't done one before, think about when you go to a doctor the first time and they give you that form. Oh, yeah. And, you know, 50 checklists yeah. and your head's down, you waste of everyone's time. Um, that's how workers in heavy industry feel about the safety process. So one day one of the guys said to Stu, you know, this is pretty shit. Can, you know, why can't we just talk about this? Why are we handwriting, you know, so on and so forth. So Stu thought, well, yeah, we'll build some tech that allows you to do that and... So that's how we started and if you think about it, you know, the efficiency gain, like talking, I've just spoken for 30, 30 seconds maybe, that's paragraphs of text. Yeah, yeah. If you were to try to write that out, you'd be there for 15 minutes or more. So it's huge efficiency gain and, and by making it efficient, you gain engagement and if you gain engagement in safety, people are safer. It's pretty simple. Um, so yeah, it solves that problem and works really well. So it's exciting. You have a conversation about a particular agenda or sort of topics that need to be discussed and then your tool pulls out the, the keywords that, that have been tracked yeah, that yeah, have been so captured we'll, in that conversation. Yeah, yeah we structure yeah. it into what people are used to seeing on a form yeah. um, and then a lot more on top of that. So It's really cool. Yeah, yeah it's different. Yeah. yeah, nice. I'm sure we can think of so many other applications <laughs> yeah. beyond just that sort of industry that you guys Yeah, are for in. sure. Yeah. yeah, love it. How did you guys reach your first customers? So you had the idea for connect and for safety talk what's the next step how do you go out and actually how did you go about finding your first customers there we're about 11 months in yep. to the agency journey and our first customer came from um, kind of our network just you know being upfront about something and building something for free uh, was how we kind of cracked into uh, our first job and it was essentially just spending a week building something that we knew solved a problem and saying hey proactively we've done this and opened some doors and got people talking and then leverage that so when you're you know when you're first starting out in biz you want to just leverage what you can um, so we just leveraged things that we knew something about uh, built variations of those and just shared them and just got people talking about it and Got some hooks and yeah, talked talked our way in. Essentially, it's yeah. Um, I think some combination of experience and enthusiasm uh, does wonders, right? People yep. people see it in your eyes. Yeah, uh, definitely that relation, that pro having a relationship yeah. with someone few prior as well. Yeah, no, and, uh, and like with that services business to business services business about trust and 
relationships. Um, yeah. And then if you can do something for free, that's even better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. David, how did it work for you guys? Uh, Stu, being a subject matter expert in safety, um, so he was national safety manager for a really large enterprise uh, business here and had 15, 20 years experience or whatever. So pretty well connected. So network, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when did you realise we're onto something here? This is, this is worth pursuing. When was that sort of point where you were like, okay, this isn't just something that we're trying out? We've got something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, from two angles, like one I think is our products, like Harvey's one of them. It's a product for the transport industry and that was like classic kind of product market fit where rather than you pushing, there was some pull. Okay. And I still remember getting a call from a guy who's a seasoned veteran in the transport space, been you know, running a business that was bought by Telstra um, for sort of 25 years. And um, and he's like, oh, I've heard some noise in the industry about Harvey, you know. Wow. And it's like, that's cool. So that's what you want. That's kind of yeah, that's great. Um, that's the sort of stuff you want to hear for products. Um, for the agency, it's just um, client reactions. Um, you just know you're onto something when people love it and and express it and tell other people about it. That's kind of classic classic case of referral. Yep. You know, client referrals really. So. If, if you get that going, you know you're onto something, I think. Similar story for you, David, or is it different? Uh, no, probably from a user, a frontline user who's not the customer per se. They don't sign the contract, right? Yep. Um, one of their guys had a speech impediment, so probably the last person to want to use our tool. Mm. And the problem of the existing format was so big for him that he was able to overcome his fear of talking. The problem was big enough that he didn't care, and he loves it. He's probably our biggest advocate. So if, yeah, so that was probably a big moment for the us. End users are the ones who, yeah, are, yeah. yeah, yeah. if they're loving it, feedback. yeah, you're home, right? Yeah, so. amazing. Um, so we sort of broached on that topic around agencies developing in-house products, spinning them out into their own businesses. Um, where does the motivation for that come from, and is there a stage of life you have to be at? in order for that to be something which you wake up one morning and decide you want to do? Or what about going back from product back to agency the way that you have, Stuart? What do you guys think about that? What is the question, where do you... Like, how do we get there, or...? Yeah, it's probably, like, describe the process from... Um, you know, so we run an agency, we build products as, as I suppose, a side project in-house because it's fun, it's something that we're passionate about, it helps us develop new skills keeps the team motivated and interested and it's something which can potentially help our customers. Um, but when do you get to the point where, okay, this is its own thing? But then also, I know you've built products in the past and now you're in a way back in agency land as well. So, yeah, there's a, it's a two-way journey sometimes. Yeah. For me, personally, it's really about just having this kind of alignment between... You've, I guess you're, you're the stage you're at in life, um, what you want to do with your time yep. and focus and energy and just, just really kind of be, um, be led by the things that really interest us is what it comes down to, I think. It's like life's too short to do things that you don't enjoy, right? So um, if you've got limited energy, limited time, limited kind of resources, what are the constraints that you're working in, then figure out what you want to focus on yep. and if something pops up where it's like 
does that take some of that away? You've got to think about it pretty carefully. And sometimes the short-term pain, like I'm not suggesting agency, you know, working in an, uh, 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 in an agency's pain. I'm just saying like... <laughs> Some people might it, think it, it, It's like, to us, it's like that's getting us to the end result that we want, which is a product company, uh, whether it's a venture, our own venture studio or, you know, um, just having our own products that we focus on. The agency enables that to happen. So mm. be clear about where you want to go and figure out what you need to do to get there and get on it. What is it working on your own product that's more enjoyable than working in a ser- in service of others? Um, I was pretty uh, pretty over building other people's stuff, to be honest. Why is that? I don't know. Just wanted my own. I'd always I'd I'd had an online store when I was seventeen when I learnt to code. Right. So what were you selling? Uh, fishing tackle. Fishing tackle yeah. online so on eBay. Uh, no, no, direct to consumer online. Cool. Yeah. So manufacturing. And selling. You were manufacturing? Manufacturing as well. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. very... At 17. How yeah, it was that? crazy. So put put myself through the party times at uni and a bit <laughs> silly and I did a, didn't did a know what money. I was doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so I always wanted my own thing, right? And then building hundreds and hundreds of things for other people just... It burns you out eventually. There's only so many times you can ask a customer for content and so on and so forth. And... Uh, you also see a million ideas when you build other people's things. Like So you're seeing all these ideas come across the table and most of the time you're thinking, this is not going to work. Yeah. But then this one came across and, and it wasn't across the table, it was in a car as a couple of mates. So it was a very different situation. And it, did, it just clicked immediately. Yep. I was like, oh, let's go. Know. Yeah, let's go. Get a feeling. Yep. Yeah. So it was all gut. And then the agency, you know, you, it helped fund because we're bootstrapped, right? So... You know, it, we've got very little equity investment in our company. Um, and so that helped early doors. It's a different kind of pressure when it's self-imposed, doing something you're passionate about as opposed to external and it's a client or you've got to deliver for someone else's needs. Yeah. And you're right, it's fun. And it's so much more rewarding when you pull it off as well and you, you're successful or you get a little win or whatever. It's just you get that dopamine hit. It's amazing. Um, like as a marketing guy, I just enjoy not so much the building aspect, like that's fun, but it's the promoting part and being able to sell exclusively your your baby. Um, it's just something, you, you just a little bit, you can level up a little bit more in your passion levels on something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you get those wins, man. That dopamine hit is real, right? It like, is. And it's the same for you yeah. if you're winning for someone else, right? Because you did the work. Yes. Yeah, yeah I get yeah. it. Just a different, yeah, you do get it when you do it for someone else, but it's mm. just a different level, yeah, mm. for sure. Um, we talked a little bit about, I guess, communicating and um, the importance of probably like explaining the value of what you do. Um, and like a trend that I see as well as tech founders, and you're probably, you guys are both probably at that intersection a little bit of tech and marketing, but you do see a lot of tech founders struggle with the communication side of you know talking to other people and humans um what do the best communicators do that you've seen that get to get cut through and how can how can tech founders learn that um practice yep you know just throwing yourself in practice like just tell tell people about it and if like your your kids or if you got kids like if they don't get it you know like my kids go 
my dad does web design. That's what they say. Your dad does. <laughs> that's what that's what my oh, kids say about sorry. me. Yeah, right. So just yeah. like they don't really get it, and if you yeah. can't kind of explain it clearly, then um, just practice, right? It's like just practice um, communicating the value that you bring, what you do, and how you do it, and just yeah, you just got to like. I, I know, like the great sales people tell stories. You know, that's like yes. a, a key. Bring a narrative. Um, in. Yeah. yeah, figure out figure out how to do that. Just learn. Like I, I love um, Alex Samosi. Just kind of frameworks help. You know, his closer framework really helps when you when you're selling something. Um, and just gonna follow that from follow the the, the the same playbook the experts have used to sell millions of dollars worth of stuff. So. Yep. Kind of cut to the chase and don't think you know it all, and just learn, learn, practice, give it a crack, and refine. Get feedback and refine. Anything to add to that, David? Uh, not a lot. He's pretty much spot on. <laughs> You're a tech guy. Yeah, I, well, I did sales a lot for years. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the key things in formal sales training is like understanding the needs of your client, right? Like truly understanding them, um, what their problem is. So listening is a huge. Listening is so underrated. Mm -hmm. Just let them talk about their problems and open up a little bit and and explain what their hopes and dreams are, but also their fears, yeah. I think um, uh, Alex Amosi says there are only three things you need in a conversation, three things to remember. Mm -hmm. One is to ask questions. One is to clarify those questions or the answers to those questions. And the third thing is tell stories, right? It's like, keep it simple. Yeah. The author of the Steve Jobs book and the new Elon Musk book, Isaacson, forget his first name, just listening to that podcast on the way here and he was talking about whenever I get stuck with explaining something to people, I just stop and say, let me tell you a story. And then you start at the beginning and all, all good things in good time, you just t- say that narrative in a chronological order and things tend to flow so much easier. When, when you're a founder and you're obsessed with your product literally 24 7 uh sometimes you get caught up in your product when you're talking to a customer yes and too close to your yeah, own solution yeah, right yeah and it's it's a challenge to tell yourself hey, show I'm, it off yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah and sometimes you only get one crack you feel like you're under pressure or whatever you just needed to listen and say well what's what's hurting you can we fix it you yeah. know not everyone's going to be your customer if you can't fix it so be it right who hurt you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. In a not a creepy way. Stuart, we crossed paths a long time ago when you were building a product called Digi. It was actually really cool for its time. It was a dashboard that pulled together metrics from lots of different digital marketing channels and ad platforms and things, and it was actually a really beautiful product. Um, and since then, now you're in Connect doing no-code projects for clients. Um, I suppose my question is, what are you seeing in terms of um, no-code intersecting with AI and large language models? And is that becoming like a, is is that sort of like the the mega trend that we're seeing at the moment with new products building in that AI functionality? Um, and and yeah, like, and how can we use that in mark in the marketing world? Yeah, we like we the last four of our projects have all been. AI-centric, so what that means is it's either helping people do something quicker or lifting the quality of something. Uh, we build a product for NDIS reporting, okay, which is, which is essentially helping clinicians 
write better reports in a shorter amount of time and spend more time with patients. Yep. So it's like, don't spend more time writing reports, like spend more time helping understanding people, and helping yeah. people, right? So um, that's the kind of thing that really interests us. Um, some of our own products use AI, but like everyone's kind of just wanting to figure out how they can use it to uh, address staff shortages or you know, help the bottom line um, in the transport space, like super low margins, but things tech, tech like AI and even just good workflows and apps can really, um, you know, solve a lot of problems, but also just mean just means they need less people to do what they need to do. Yep. So, we, so functionally, we'll, is it the taking away that grind work of yeah, typing yeah, out content? Yeah, that's right. And okay. um, and just you know just be be more consistent with our output. Okay. So make up for I guess some of humans some of the weaknesses or deficiencies that humans naturally bring because they're tired or fatigued or off it, you know, not quite on it or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I, I think we, we sort of weave it into our conversations and sometimes we will do something as a kind of initiative just to show people and go, hey, have you thought about this? And if we see them lean forward and kind of go, like, tell me some more about that, then will kind of pick it up and go for it. And again, it's leverage. If you can leverage something you've done and just kind of tweak it, show someone, then uh, they love it. That's that's what customer service is all about. So. Brilliant. David, I imagine risk talk. I mean, you used speech to text, with which has some AI functionality in it anyway. Is there anything else that Yeah, there's a lot. We uh, analyse how people talk, not just what they're saying. Okay. Um, so that's a, a effectively a beta product, but pretty well validated. Um, so that's starting to work into psychosocial hazards, which is a huge, in that industry, is a huge problem at the moment. Um, but but even like back to marketing, like we're still a product, we've got to do our marketing, right? And like I remember back in the day, you'd build a website, you'd get a web form, you might get it into your email, right? Well, now yeah. it's like gets in your email, we might automatically, we'll use AI, we'll automatically look up their LinkedIn profile, we'll work out what their job history is, then it'll go into an automated copy producer, you know, to produce an email or a LinkedIn message and shoot it automatically, like no one's touched it. And it sent out this perfect personalised, no code, right? It's just unbelievable. Very cool. I mean, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're creating your own website or you need to refresh your website, like just use use generative AI to do the photos for it, the pictures for it. Like it's, you know, if you kind of just think about it, right? Like get some get some individuality into it. Like yeah. we, we did that with our website. It just, it worked really well. Like just... You can create stock shots that are your own. Yeah. So just use it you know, to, to, to create your own kind of personalised content. But I saw uh, Dali 3 has just been released this week, integrating with OpenAI, and the, some of the output from that is pretty mind-blowing. Um, sort of, you know, Dali 2, the leap from that in, what, maybe only 12 months is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so can, who knows what's going to happen in 12 months I guess if we were sitting here in 12 months having this chat again guys and you were both absolutely delighted and stoked with what you'd achieved since now what would what would that look like? Probably revenue growth for us where we're at you know customer revenue, revenue growth, revenue growth? Yep. yeah we've had a huge 12 months I mean yep. phenomenal um, well some of our more recent deals are you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of recurring revenue on each deal so it's for us, it's that sort of growth phase now and, and it all comes down to expanding sales team and all the rest. So, yeah, next year hopefully looks like a full sales team globally with any luck. Um, 
hopefully a little less stress. <laughs> <laughs> Onwards and upwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Bigger team doesn't always mean less stress. No, though. it doesn't. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> yeah, we're the same. Like we don't want a bigger team necessarily. It may may kind of we may upsize it, but like um, I've asked a couple of larger agency, you know, software agency owners recently, like if you're in our position, what would you do differently? Like if you were back where we are now, this is, you know, agency owners who have been in business for 10, 15, 20 years. What would you do differently? And, and they all go like, probably do what you guys are doing. Yeah. Like keep it small and keep it, keep it niche and profitable. So, um, oh, but for us, I think it's, uh, it's same thing. It's recurring revenue and stepping back from projects where you're just kind of reinventing something again and again uh, for different people. Just focus on products and and pump those up and automate the hell out of whatever we can to be more streamlined and have less time at work. That's the goal. That's the dream. Yeah. We're getting to the end of the episode, um, but something I always ask at the end of an episode is what's one big, big piece of advice you have to your fellow founders who are looking to grow? I think this is a bit of a cliche in a startup thing, but that resilience, just being prepared to be rejected over and over. And I'm not talking VC world. I'm not talking raising capital, just from customers. Like, it's hard. You've got to be prepared. If you're in enterprise sales, sales cycles, two years. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes. You know, it's resilience. you just got to be... It's a hell of a lot of frogs yep. out there to kiss. Yep, yep. 100%. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 Um, just spend more time than what you are because you always underestimate it or overestimate it, talking to your customers. Mm-hmm. Like, just get in their pocket. Um, if you're an agency and you don't know what your clients' revenue numbers and how they make money, like, ask those questions. Like, dig in, um, spend more time with them. So when it comes time to ask money from them, you kind of know what to ask, right? Uh, or if you're into products, talk to your customers like you guys are. Like, Tell me about it, you know, waking up early and going to bed late because you got customer calls, but that's what it takes, right? So uh-huh. understand Nothing your customers and, you know, what to build them. Love it. Bang on. And trust your gut. Trust your gut. Agreed. Yeah. Trust your gut. If you're 50-50 on a decision, trust your gut. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. All right. It's show and tell time. Um, so I want to hear from you guys. What is your favourite tool, device, toy, thing in your life? which is making your life better every day and you can't live without. Your turn. I'm going to say my guitar. Nice. How long have you been playing guitar? For about 10, 12 years. Cool. Yeah. Started kind of when my fingers were super inflexible. Yeah. (laughs) But like, yeah, just love it. Just recently got a cool little practice amp that you can jam along to and just it's just like a way to, I don't know, kind of... Do something different, different tune out set. different side of the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just um, just jam to your own tune. Yeah. There's yeah. the episode title there, Jack. Jam to your own tune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, David. Ah, uh, I don't know. Good pair of running shoes. Good comfy pair of running shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Good, crucial for a jog. Mm-hmm. Cool. What's Jack like out in the cricket field, by the way? You guys are right. Played a few first grade games, didn't you, Jackie? Yeah. Did you bowl him? Goes alright. Doesn't tell us at all. Well, I haven't played against him. I actually oh. haven't played with him. I don't think. Have I? Maybe one game. Yeah. I'm a bit older. Retired. Mm. All right. My beer's empty. Um, but final plug or final ask for you guys. If anyone's interested in Connect or in Risk Talk, what should they do? Knkt.com.au. 
Beautiful. Yeah, Love us. to hear from you. Yeah, hit us up on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way. Yeah. Jump on LinkedIn. Yeah, David, check out Risk Talk. David Press or Stuart Farkerson. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, fellas. Great name for a partner, by the way. Yeah, good lad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, for Stuart Riddle from Connect and David Press, <laughs> let's just look at your surname there, from Risk Talk. Gents, thank you so very, very much for joining us today. It's a bit of a special episode. Um, I think it's kind of worked, um, but we'll, I'm sure we'll do it again. But this has been really fun. Thank you both being, for very much for being on Weird Growth. Thanks, really appreciate it, Tom. Thank you, Cam. Cheers. Um, and thank you, thanks, everyone. Thanks, thanks everyone here at Weird Growth, Cheers. Level 32, for joining us for a special episode of Weird Growth Live. I'm Cam Sinclair from Ammo Marketing. Uh, we're produced by Jack Hallam and very capably uh, by Lewis Hallam. He's very tech-savvy bro. He's on the cameras and the lights and the mics and all the good stuff. Um, thank you all for listening. Please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or if you're listening to this, check it out on YouTube um, because we've got faces and bodies and stuff as well and a really cool view behind us. Um, but until next time, I'm Cam Sinclair. This has been Weird Growth. Bye-bye. Yeah.